Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. All right. Well, today I want to talk to you about the story of Gideon. And uh, we're going to get into Gideon some today. And this is a really neat story. You know, it's interesting. Every time you get into a new story in the Bible, or I say a new story, every time you look at a story, maybe for the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth time, you get something different out of it. And I believe God will show you some new things today out of the story of Gideon. But I want to start with Gideon chapter six, excuse me, uh, the story of Gideon's in the book of Judges. So we're going to go to Judges chapter six, where the story is and start in verse 11. And it says this, now the angel of the Lord. Now, when the Bible uses that expression, the angel of the Lord, it's actually referring to um, a manifestation of God's presence. Some people believe that it was um, God speaking through an appearance somehow. Uh, God, some believe it was a pre-incarnate uh, uh, picture of, of Christ. Um, but anyway, th- it represents the Lord. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash, the Abiez right, whose while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Now, what was happening was the Midianites were coming and they were stealing all of the produce of the land. They were just taking everything. So so these people would work, they'd work. And, and then when they when anything would amount to anything, you know, a group of the Midianites would see, hey, they're, look, they're, um, they have food. Let's go steal it. Let's go to take it for ourselves. So here... Um, Gideon is threshing wheat in the wine press. Wine press would not be a very um, a good place to thresh wheat um, in in normal times. Uh, it it would be a very difficult thing to do. Why would you ever do that in normal times? Anyway, so the angel of the Lord appears to him and said, "The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor." And Gideon said to him. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Now, right here, we see... Gideon is in an, an intense time of difficulty. Again, like I mentioned, he's in the wine press threshing wheat. Now, I know we don't do this kind of thing today, so we might be unfamiliar with what's going on, but it would be like doing something in, in a very backwards way. I mean, nobody would do it this way in, under normal circumstances. He's doing a lot of work just to get a little bit of effort out of it, right? But thankfully, God somehow is using that. He's been um, creative. Uh, he, he's, he's not given up. You know, he's, he's still having his provision in the difficulty there, but he's doing a whole lot of work. Um, and then this angel of the Lord comes. And by the way, it's the angel of the Lord. But when he begins to talk to Gideon, Gideon doesn't know it's an angel of the Lord. Gideon thinks this is a man. He doesn't recognize this as a representation of God. And this man says something to Gideon that is striking to him. 
And of course, that Gideon is like almost gets in an argument with him, you know, and not it's not an, it's nothing actually like an argument. I'm, but they're just I don't know. He's he's just coming back with his with his conversation, I guess we could call it. Um, so the man says to Gideon, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And of course, you see from Gideon's response, um, it didn't feel that way to Gideon at all, right? Gideon didn't feel like the Lord was with him at all. And this is interesting because times had changed. See, what the man is seeing is something new, something different is, is happening. And it's now. And the man was saying, which was actually God, God is with you. Um, but Gideon wasn't able to receive that word because nothing looks like it has changed. And I would just say this. It looks like nothing has changed in a positive way in the church to a lot of people. Nothing has changed probably for a lot of lives that have been serving God for a long time. Everything looks the same, but I just want to declare this is a, de a very definitive time of change. God is bringing people into new things. Maybe you don't see it. You don't feel it. You can't understand it. It might all seem the same to you, but God has brought change about. Okay, so uh, again, we don't see it yet. And it's just in certain dimensions that this has happened. Okay, but we'll get into that because I believe this story teaches us a lot about what's going on in life today. And then, and then um, what does Gideon respond? What does he say? He says, if the Lord's with us, then where are the miracles? Where's the power? Where's the deliverance from all this oppression? Now, this is interesting to me because the angel of the Lord says to Gideon, God is with you. And then Gideon responds, if the Lord is with us, then why does, why does he respond that way? He doesn't say, well, if the Lord is with me, why am I having troubles? He says, if the Lord is with us, then where's his deliverance? Gideon realizes that his difficulty isn't even necessarily because of himself. He realizes that what he's going through and the difficulty that he has is because of what's happening in the whole land. So when the angel says, God's with you, he, Gideon is seeing the bigger picture and he's realizing his, his difficulty is not just him, it's beyond him, right? And I just want to say, a lot of the difficulties that happen in a nation or happen, happen in a land affect us individually as well, right? And so whenever, whenever there's a problem in the earth, a problem in the city, a problem in the nation, what does God want his people to do? He wants his people to pray. He wants his people to begin to pray for breakthrough. He wants to, us to pray and believe God will bless that city, bless that nation. And how is God going to bless us? By turning us from our wicked ways, by turning our nation around, by bringing us back to God, by waking us up. If we can believe God and we and we will start to pray that way, we will begin to see differences take place in our nation. And I would just encourage you in this because God desires to bring breakthrough into this nation. 
God desires to bring repentance to this nation. God wants to bless this nation. But we are going to, that will be hindered, I believe, in this hour until there is a rising up of prayer, a new level of prayer. And some people go, well, you know what? I think we've prayed enough. A lot of people have already been praying. I don't know where we have to get and exactly what has to happen before the turnaround comes, but I definitely believe what God wants us to do is to keep praying and keep trusting because it hasn't happened yet. Keep holding on. Keep trusting God. Maybe some of you have gotten tired believing God for revival. Maybe you've gotten tired believing for breakthrough in America. Maybe you've gotten tired believing that God would move in the government. God would move in big business. God would move in all of these power players that seem to want to be bringing darkness and evil and oppression into the land. I tell you, there is so much oppression going on right now. There is so much darkness. You know, the Bible says one day there's going to be a, a, a force so deceptive. Everybody's going to believe it. Everybody's going to follow with it. They're not going to be very discerning. They're just going to flow along with everything that's going on. And I would just say it's going to, it's going to just be amazing how easy the devil can do that. How deception can, can flow in the earth. How he can utilize the media. How he can utilize the the, the, the big tech giants or the big business or big pharma or whoever or government to deceive, you see, and, and pull us along by our fears, by our anger, by our emotions. You see, the enemy does everything he can to try to pull us and get us in the right direction. And God says, if my people will begin to pray, if my people will begin to ask me, and, and when God does his work, it's amazing what will happen. But it says this in, in Jeremiah 29, pray for the peace of the nation where I have sent you, because as it prospers, you're going to prosper. Amen. Pray that God turn this nation around. Pray that God wake this nation up. Pray that we turn back to God. You know what? I thank God that God will prosper this nation, even financially, but that should not be our primary focus. Our primary focus should be that God turn this nation back to him. And if that happens, all these other things are going to be taken care of. We'll be more blessed than what we can know. But it happens because we've decided to put God's first. Blessed is the nation that puts their trust in God and makes God their God. Amen. First Timothy, I'll just mention this before we move on here. First Timothy 2, 2, pray for kings and all in authority that you might live in peace and godliness because this is pleasing to God who wants everybody to be saved. You know what? When I was reading, when I was reading through scriptures once, I was surprised at how the um, city you live in, you live in has an impact on whether you get saved or not. The people that you are around has an impact on whether you get saved or not. It is an amazing thing. And I was reading that one day and going, wow, that's amazing. The demonstration of power of God's glory has a lot to do with whether people get saved or not. Jesus even goes, he told one group of people in a city, they were influenced by the spirit of that city. If he says, this city is going to be judged. And if Sodom and Gomorrah had seen what you have seen, they would have repented. Now, I want you to think about that. He's telling a city, you're not turning to God. Why? Because they had that city, the culture had given over to a certain mindset, right? So we learn there can be a mindset in a city 
that hinders people from getting saved, right? That's why we're supposed to pray for kings and all in authority. And I would include pray for these biz, big business people. Pray for all of this, our education system, our entertainment industry. You know what? Because God wants to break the demonic forces that are using them to bring darkness into our nation and to bring hindrance to people coming to know the Lord, to blind minds and to get people running after materialism and popularity and all the junk that's on social media. All it is is a bondage and a trap. You see, we have to begin to pray through these things. Pray that these things change, that there might be salvation which goes forth in the land because he says pray for these because God desires that all men be saved. Wow. Pray that there will be change. Now, let me get back to this illustration. What he said was, the people of this city, you've not come to God, right? So we just saw one aspect that, that I wanted to share here, which is the spirit that was in that city, the, the attitudes that the people had hindered them from seeing God. The second thing that he said in that statement was, if the people of Sodom and Gomorrah had had the power of God demonstrated, they would have repented. Man, that shows you something else. If the power of God is not flowing in the earth, there are going to be people that do not get saved that would have otherwise gotten saved. Do you see that? Oh, let just God do what God's going to do. Let me tell you something. It is our glory and our responsibility to pray and to have the glory of God with us, to demonstrate the power of God through preaching, through miracles, signs and wonders, through God intervening in this earth so that people might get saved. And the more power is released, the more people are going to get saved. Amen. So God says, pray, believe God, trust God, put your heart and your mind where God is and flow with God and be free. The church will never have power until it's free from this world. We can pray all we want to, but until we're free from it, we won't have the power of what God wants to give us. Amen? So anyway, if you go back to this story, you see what's happening here with Gideon. Things had gotten really bad in the days of Gideon. Okay? Now, why were things bad in Gideon's day? That's what we should all ask. And I think we should ask that in America right now. You know, it's interesting. We often don't know the answers to these questions, and we often think about things naturally. You know, we want to give a natural reason why any bad thing happens. Oh, climate change. Oh, this or that. Oh, that's why this is happening. Oh, it's good. You know what? Why do you ever think maybe, maybe spiritual things? Oh, no. They're all natural things. Maybe not. Maybe not. Anyway, so what's happening in Gideon's day? It says this, verse, let's back up here, chapter 6, verse 1, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Maybe it wasn't evil in their sight. Maybe they just thought, oh, you know, we're not doing bad. We're not, we're okay. You know, God understands that we're really not on fire for, you know, we've got our own things we've got to do. It says they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And in other words, from God's estimation, they didn't measure up. They'd fallen away. They might have thought they were okay, but God's going, no, 
you've fallen away. You're not living for me anymore. And many were just doing wickedly. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian, and it ended up being seven years. I don't think that the seven years were just out of the air. I think something happened, and it took seven years. But anyway, so, so we see the reason why they've got difficulties is because <clears throat> they had done evil, and God gave them over. And to hand the Midian. Now, how did God do this? I believe what God did was he removed a covering of protection that was over them. Right? They're not serving. He removes that cover of protection. And when the cover of protection begins to be removed, guess what? That's opening up a vulnerability of God's people or this, this nation to the enemy. Could you all see that? Amen. So, so that's what happened there. And then it says, they cried out to the Lord. Okay, if you look at the next few verses, I'm not going to read all of them. But it says, under this oppression, they began to go, man, this is bad what's happening. So they began to cry out to God for help. God, help us. And then God sends a prophet and goes, um, verse 8. God sent a prophet and said to him, Thus says the Lord, I brought you out of Egypt. I delivered you. I've done all these things for you. I've helped you. I've come through for you, etc., etc. But then you went and did your own thing. Right? And I said, I told you don't fear these gods. I told you not to do that, but you've disobeyed me. So, again, I want you to think of this picture here. It's so interesting. God has judged them. Verse 1, they ask deliverance when they, when they see the oppression and they start to experience some bad things. They begin to go, God, help us. Then God comes and gives definition to what's happening. It's as if these people don't even know why it's been bad yet. Are y'all with me? And I believe that's what's happened in America. We're walking around, oh, it's because of that. Oh, it's because of that. Why is it? God help us. God make this better. And, and maybe most of us don't even know why things are happening the way they're happening. And God has to give definition to it. The reason why, first of all, it goes, I'm not going to help you right now. I am not going to listen to your prayers right now. That's pretty bad, isn't it? He says, the reason is you are where you are because you've left God. That's the problem. If you fix that, watch what I'll do. Wow. God's like, you know, this is just so interesting to me that here they are not knowing why everything is happening the way it's happening. Now, I just want to say God can use what God wants to use to fix things. God can do it how God wants to do it. But the root of the problem that God wants to deal with is our hearts. It's when our hearts ultimately get to where they need to get that the rest of the thing's going to come into place. We do need to sort of align with God, see what God's doing, whatever. Praise the Lord for that. But I just want to say the root cause of our troubles in America, I believe this fully, is because we have drifted away from God as a nation. The churches have drifted away from God. We don't want to say anything that makes people feel bad anymore in most churches. 
And uh, you, you, can never, you can never make disciples without making somebody feel a little uncomfortable sometimes. Amen? Because there's a part of us that's not lined up with God. And that part needs to get cut away. And all the while, God wants to encourage us in the process with words of victory, words of joy, words of we're going forward. Amen? But sometimes God begins to highlight those things we need to deal with. And we need to deal with it. If you never, if the people that do not want that go and they, it says they accumulate, the Bible says those individuals accumulate teachers for themselves. Now, I'm not putting down, I don't even know most of the people that people criticize all the time. I don't hardly even have heard their messages. So I don't want to be criticizing people today. But I do want to just say we have to be careful that we don't want to just say things people want to hear because that's what we call ear ticklers. And, and it, you only want to say things people want to hear, and you don't want to say the things that are going to challenge them to change, challenge them to be different. And I want to encourage you today, those of you that are online or those of you that are here, don't run away from something because it makes you feel bad. Now, if it's craziness and there's no God in it, and it I mean, run away from that, right? But if it's in the Word of God and it's truth and it makes you feel bad, you better run toward it because you need that. You need that to deal with whatever it's touching in your life. So don't run away from it. Run to it. Ask God to help you and God will help you. Amen. Amen. Anyway, and getting back to this, getting back to this word here. Once this prophet came and he began to say, um, the reason why y'all are having this trouble is because you've left God. You're not doing right. Um, do you realize, okay, first of all, there's a group of people, they don't realize that it's what's, why what's happening is happening. Oh, it's because of this. Oh, it's because of that. And God's going, yes, you made a dumb mistake about that. Yes, you did a dumb mistake about that. Yes, but the ultimate reason why all these things are happening is because you left God. Okay, so now some people are going, oh, wow, we need to pray. And you know what other people are doing? I can almost guarantee it. Other people are going, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I don't agree with that guy. I don't agree with that guy. I think it's because of this thing and it's because of that thing. And and this leader made this decision. And then we did. You know what? Okay, maybe that's all evil and wrong. I'm just saying the core problem, the core root of the problem is what? It's the, the wickedness and the departing of God's people. Now, there is a pattern in, by, in the Bible. It's in Judges, but it's all over the Bible that, uh, of something that happened over and over. It should not have happened, but it did. God's people would be blessed. He would bless. God loves to bless us. Amen. But so often, after God blesses, people begin to, Think about their blessings more than God. They started to think about that more and more. Okay, and so what happened was they go from having a relationship and being excited about God. God, they were in love with the Lord. He blesses them. Then they start focusing on the blessings. They start focusing on enjoying life more without, you know, doing their own things making sure they're at the right parties, the right events. They're always there. But now, do you have time for God? Oh, yeah, you know, we'll do God. Oh, yes, oh, we, we love the Lord. We just love the Lord. You know, it just starts out like that. 
that the first thing you know, they're not fervent for the Lord anymore. And you can look in the New Testament, the same kind of thing is happening there. And you have one of the churches where he says, yes, you love me, but I'm not first anymore. I'm, it's not that first love anymore. Uh, and you know what? He says, I just don't care about that anymore. You think that you're pleasing to the Lord just because you do a little something for him? Just because, oh, you give him a little bit every week or you do? No, God goes, I'm after everything. I'm after your whole heart. Anything less than that is some form of idolatry. And you see, there are a lot of people that are in that place where they still will be, they would call themselves serving the Lord, but the fire for God is gone because they've gotten wrapped up in the things of this life. Okay, so then there's a falling away. Now, what happens when the church falls away? When people begin to get so consumed with all of their blessings? The power of God is less upon them. Maybe they're not out there thinning. Maybe they're not out there in adultery and going out and getting drunk and, and partying. and Maybe not. But the light and the power of God isn't working in them anymore. That connection's not there anymore. And the light is not going through them anymore into the world, bringing change that needs to happen. Darkness is what is naturally in the earth. And if there is not the light of God that comes through fervent-hearted, loving souls that are willing to lay down whatever and serve the Lord, this world will never change. Amen? Can y'all see what I'm saying? I hope you can see what I'm saying. I hope all of you online can understand what I'm saying, you see. Because we need to be able to somehow recognize that the problem, or a major problem, it's the fire in the church. It's the commitment in the church. It's, the, it's those that have time for every other thing. But God's last, and they think that's okay. They don't recognize that in God's eyes, He is not pleased with their service, with their love, with where their heart is. It doesn't mean He doesn't love them. It doesn't mean He doesn't love us. It just says, hey, I can't come, and I'm not going to bring the fullness of my blessing and the fullness of my glory until I have the fullness of your heart. And when that happens, I am telling you something. God's going to come in an amazing way. And I believe actually God's in the pattern of doing this right now. So going back to this pattern, good times come. People begin to fall away. Uh, they don't even realize that they may not be in sin, but they're not committed to the church. They're not committed to prayer. They're not committed to their devotional time. They're wrapped up in something of this world every day, right? And the light begins to go out in them. The impact in the world begins to go dim. The light seems to go dim. The darkness in this world begins to grow. And it's not like the light is also growing. No, the darkness is <laughs> increasing. And then guess what happens? The oppression comes. Things get bad. They would wake up in the Old Testament. Uh, they'd finally wake up and repent. And whenever they would do that, guess what God would do? He would so come on the scene. He would deliver them. He would bring revival. There'd be rejoicing again. There'd be joy in the house again. There'd be blessing. It's amazing what would happen when God's people would turn back to God. And God's no different. He'll do the very same thing today. He's, and I believe He's doing this. I believe what God has done is He's allowed this nation to go through difficult times. 
and I believe that this nation has fallen from God, but I believe, he's going to, I believe God's going to use it. But let me just mention that about this nation. This nation, how many of you can just tell more than ever this nation calls evil good and good evil? It's the most ridiculous thing. And um, it's one of the most predominant things that we see is in the sexual arena, right? With, with uh, all the different things that are going on there. It's so interesting that in Romans chapter 2, I believe it is, we're just talking about that one particular area of sin. It's like when that happens, all culture is messed up. That's like the, the epitome of what ends up happening. But this past week, a, a minister just preached this verse. God, out of Genesis 5-2, God created them, meaning man. He created man, them, male and female. He preached from that verse. Well, YouTube said that is hate speech. Wait a minute. It's a verse in the Bible. Are y'all with me? It's a verse in the Bible. YouTube says God created male and female is hate speech. Think about the stupidity of that statement. Think about the darkness of that statement. And they are saying the word of God is evil. Do y'all see that? So what do they do? They removed that message from their platform. Why? Because it's hate speech. You can't say God created male and female. I just want you to wake up. Some people are like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't understand about all of this. Let me tell you something. This world and these big power mongers, these big businesses, the, the demonic is all behind them. And they're wanting to get you all upset about this, all up into that, while little by little they are encroaching upon the light and they're bringing darkness and they're squeezing all of the Word of God out of any place where they can find it, little by little. Ultimately, Satan is after the light. Amen? Do y'all see what I mean? Wake up. Wake up. And don't let, the, don't let these people manipulate you and drive you. It's going to be so easy when, the, when the, um, you know, the deceiver ends up being released in that day. It's going to be crazy. And you're going to wonder, how is it so many Christians are so duped? You'll see how easy it can be. We have to be so very careful. But it's not just this sexual thing where we're blind. It's in so many dimensions. I mean, have y'all realized this generation can't think? This generation can't see clearly? They can't reason? Everything's about feelings. Feelings to them are facts. And sometimes if you watch some of these individuals in, that are brilliant people in arguments with reason, they fall to pieces as if, but you don't understand my feelings. Are y'all with me? It's the craziest thing. Anyway, but that's the world we're living in. And in the days of Gideon, you see, um, when the nation left God, when the culture left God, God did what? Allowed them to go through difficult times. What was the goal? Why did God, God let them go through difficult times? Why did He shake them? Why did He let even an enemy army come into the land? Is that not a crazy thought? Yes, it is. But you know what? 
Sin can cause crazy things to happen. And it allows, if we persist in our sins, it allows the covering of God to be removed. Now I'm going to get, hopefully I will be quick enough to get to some more positive things in a minute. But I believe what I'm just saying is very, very true. It's part of the story of, what's, of what I believe is happening. I'm very thankful, by the way, for people that have been standing up against abortion. I believe that's been something that's caused many, many troubles in our land. Not only that, it's a horrible thing. It's a horrible thing to think of what goes on. You know, they know these children, they, they have feelings, they're real. Do you think when a child's 10 days old in your womb, you don't think that that's a life and that he doesn't exist in heaven? Yes, if you're going to, if you abort that child five days old in your womb, he's alive. He's alive. That spirit has come to be with that child. Do y'all see what I'm saying? God's already started forming that. It's an entity already. Think about Jesus, right? Mary was, Mary was pregnant that day. Uh, you know, right when it happened, Mary's pregnant. Mary could, couldn't go the next day and goes, you know what? I changed my mind. I just changed my mind. Let me get rid of this. No, that's the Son of God on the inside of you. Oh, no, he's only a day old. No, that's the Son of God on the inside of you. Oh, no, he's not real yet. He's only a day old. No, no, no. Do y'all see what I'm saying? Now, I want to encourage you. If you've had an abortion, you know, praise the Lord. Your children are in heaven. You'll get to see them one day, and they're not going to be upset at you. Hopefully, you'll get to see them. They want to see you. Hopefully your life will be right with the Lord and you get to see your children and they're going to just be so excited that you made it to heaven. Amen. But anyway, I would just I just brought up that issue because it looks like things are starting to turn around there. and That's a real good sign. And I believe when that thing breaks, I believe there are going to be other things that begin to break. Man, I, I, I just, you know, we have our eyes closed to this so much and the argument seems so confusing, but it is a life and not only do we, are we killing a child when we abort them, you know what else we're doing? We're, we're doing it in a very, very painful way. You ever see some of these children that have survived abortions and they grow up missing a leg, missing an arm? You know why that is? It's because when they're aborting these children, they're pulling them to pieces, many of them. Anyway, I could go on and on there, but I'm just, and I'm telling you this so that you'll open up your eyes and that you'll have empathy and that you'll begin to awaken and not be dull according to what this world has tried to make you dull to with arguments that don't make any sense. Anyway, let me get back here. I believe that, I believe that just as God was allowing some things to happen for good, I believe God has allowed the crisis to increase in our nation in certain dimensions so that we will wake up, so that He can turn things around, so that He'll make things better. I believe that what we're going through and some of the frustrations that we're, we may even see a lot more, I believe that the ultimate goal is God wants to bring us back to Him. You say, well, what can I do about it? The biggest thing you can do is to make sure your heart is fully turned toward God and you begin to pray like God said. If you want God to, to bring change, then let it bring change in you. Amen. Amen. And I'll tell you something, if the light's strong in you, if the light is strong in you, you can't help but have it come out. We can tell people how to evangelize. We can tell people, oh, do this and this and this. But until the light starts shining out of you, it's for nothing. 
And when the light starts to shine, there's, there's hardly any way to stop it. All you have to do is just get it out of the bucket. Amen? So, all right, so why is God visiting Gideon? Why are things changing now here in uh, chapter 6, verse 11? Remember, they had asked for help before, and God goes, nope, I'm not helping you right now. But why is he, why is he now coming? Um, what I believe has happened is uh, what he has done those seven years paid off. People actually did repent. It actually did wake people up. They started praying. And God says, when you turn from what you've been doing wrong, when you come back, I'll always come back to you. Amen? When we turn back to God, God always turns back to us. I'll just read a couple of these scriptures, okay? Look in Malachi 3.7. They've gotten their finances out of order. They weren't honoring God with their finances. And he says, return to me and I'll return to you. Uh, you know, and then he said, you'd messed up in this way. Get that right, right? So we see there, it was with finances and money. Honor me first and I'll return. And Haggai, what was it? And Haggai, he says, you prioritized your own house over my house. He's saying, you're putting your prosperity over my prosperity. You want to be blessed, but you don't care about me and my church and salvation of souls and the glory of God in the earth. You're more concerned about you. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, you don't start out by, oh, God, Father who's in heaven, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You start out by, God, bless me. God, give me more today. God, you see what I'm saying? God does say in the prayer, bless me. But the priority is, Lord, your kingdom. And Haggai, he says, you've put your little kingdom over mine. I'm not going to bless that. He says, you want to be blessed? Put me in front of you. Put my kingdom in front of your kingdom. Put what I'm doing in the earth in front of what you're doing in the earth. And I want to ask every single one of you, what have you been prioritizing, your kingdom or God's kingdom? Are you building God's glory in the earth? Are you working? Are you connected with that? Some of you may not even be saved yet. You don't even know what I'm talking about. But let me just say, when you come to the Lord, everything changes. God goes, you're mine now. And he says, and if you will flow with me and do what I'm asking you to do and go with the things of God, watch, I'm going to bless you. But what does the world do? The Bible says the world runs after all these things. And Jesus says, don't do it like that. Don't do it like the Gentiles. God knows what you need. Just put me first and watch how all these other things come your way. You see, a lot of Christians haven't learned how to do that yet. And if you're going to see God come through in your life, and if we're going to see God come through in this nation, and if we're going to see the glory of God come into the house of God again, we're going to have to learn how to put him first, how to put God's kingdom in front of our little kingdom and what we're building. And I want to encourage every single one of you, where are your priorities today? What are you giving to God? Where is your focus? Are you more focused on you? If you don't give effort, let me just say this, okay? I'm a pastor. I have to give effort to pressing past the worries of this world. And I know if I don't, they'll suck me up. Right? They hit me sometimes. And I realize, oh, I got to get past this. Let me put my trust in the Lord. Let me swim past this and put my trust in the Lord. Let me put my trust in the Lord. If you're not continually wrestling against the tide of this world, you are flowing along with it. If you're not pressing past your flesh, 
your laziness, your being distracted, your worldliness, the things of this life that are always coming at you, if you are not actively, daily pressing past that, you are being swept away by it. Do y'all not see that? Anyway, that's what it was saying here in all of these verses. It's in Malachi. It's in Haggai. It's in James in the New Testament. He says this. He's talking about pleasures. That was their problem. He says, adulterers and adulteresses. You know, you just think, well, you know, we don't talk that ugly in church. Oh, wow. James. (laughs) James is Jesus. This was Jesus' brother, right? You go, man. Mary and Joseph must have had some strong teachings in their home. Because if you read Jesus' brothers, one of them James and one of them Jude, you go, man, they have some strong words. And James, Jesus' brother, wrote the book of James. And he says this. He calls people adulterers and adulteresses. And he says, don't you understand? Can you not get this, that if you are friends with the world and you're wanting so much out of the world that you're an enemy of God or you're an enemy with God. You're, it's against God. It's working against God is what he's saying. Therefore, whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Wow. And then what does he say? Draw near to God and he's going to draw near to you. You see that promise we have there? That's another one where he goes, okay, God's going to come back. If you do what you're supposed to do, God's going to do his part and he's going to come near. You see, he said that over and over. Malachi, you get this right, God will return to you. And Haggai, you prioritize God's things, God then will bless your things. And here you are in James. God says, if you will let go of the world, if you will let go of these things, and we see that in John 2 where John goes, don't love the world or the things of the world because God's not in that. And he goes, if you let go of that, guess what's going to happen? There's going to be an amazing blessing come your way. Amen. He says, if you'll draw near to me, how do you draw near to you? How do you draw near to God? You got to, he's telling them in James, you've got to pull away. The way to draw near isn't simply to, to pray more. It's to let go of what's pulling you down, what's pulling you under, what's keeping you from being free from the things of this world. Let me just say this too. Whatever you focus on, it's going to have power in your life. If you're, that's why Jesus said, don't worry. Don't worry about your money. Don't worry about stuff. Why? And then he goes, because you can't serve that. Why would worrying make you serve it? Because worrying makes you put your mind on it all the time. And when you put your mind on it all the time, it begins to have a power. You start looking at this world. You start looking at things. You start looking at entertainments and all of that. And that's what you're focusing on primarily. Guess what? It's going to change your heart. And your heart's going to grow cold for the Lord. You have to. So when he says in James Come close to me, and I'll be close to you. He's telling them, let go of that stuff. He's not just saying pray more. He's not just saying fast more. He did say that, but the point is, the goal is you got to let go of all that stuff if you want to have me. Wow. And that's the way it ought to be. I mean, that stuff, all it does is pull us down. I'm not saying saying those things are wrong. I'm just saying the focus of them, the running after them, the, the emphasizing that in our stuff more than God is wrong. Now, you can't just say, OK, well, I'm going to give God a little more time. And no, you, that stuff needs to be like nothing. 
God says, I'll take care of that. And you need to, you need to go past whatever's holding you down. Amen? Hope y'all can see that. Now, let me just mention one other a little round of points here. What is, what is the angel of the Lord doing here? This is so interesting to me. We normally think of the story of the angel comes to see Gideon and he appears to Gideon and he tells him what he tells him. But it starts out a little different than that. Um, the angel of the Lord came and sat under this tree. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> and then later, the angel appears to him. So, Gideon's there threshing wheat in the wine press. The angel of the Lord, or the Lord, sits under a tree, invisible. What's he doing there? See, how interesting. God is there in a very special way and Gideon is completely oblivious to it. So, and so, but what's he doing? I believe what God's doing there is he's observing Gideon. And I think that's why it shows us that he's there sitting invisible under the tree watching Gideon. Okay, so um, what's, what's he watching for? I believe this is a symbolic thing. I believe he's watching because of what we see later. He's going to say, go in the strength of yours. I believe what he's doing is saying, is Gideon ready? I think that's what he's communicating to us here. It's time. He's seeing that Gideon's ready. What does he see in Gideon? What's he seeing in Gideon? This is it's so interesting. So Gideon's there. He's in this wine press working, working, working. I don't think Gideon has a bad attitude which you might, you could read it that way in this story. I don't see that at all now. You see, he thinks this is a man. Gideon, Gideon is just going, hey, this, this is the season we're in when, when he's told by what he thinks is a man. God's with you. He's going, hey, where, if God's with us, why is it like this? Because he knows we're here because we've sinned. We've done wrong. So God's not blessing us like that now. And if God's with us, we, we, we'd have these miracles, right? Anyway, so he's there and he sees Gideon is ready. Um, but let me, let me back up here. What does he see in Gideon? You see, now, now, when seasons change, God's already been thinking about this. God's going, I'm going to bring that place to repentance. I'm going to let them go through some things. And at the same time, there's some faithful people who are going to be going through this. I'm going to be preparing them for what I'm getting ready to do. Do y'all see that? That's really powerful. So when difficulties are coming and it looks like nothing's happening and it looks like there's hardship everywhere, it looks like everything's drying up. What's God doing? Two major things. He's bringing one group of people to repentance. He's purifying another group of people, preparing them for what's getting ready to happen because he needs to have those that he's going to use and what's getting ready to happen. Do y'all see that? So he's coming and all these seasons are working together. 
And God's coming because the season at large is changing. The people have been repenting. That's why, that's why the season's changing. They've been repenting just like we learned. I'll return when you return. Well, there must have been some returning. We just know that scripturally. It doesn't say it here, but the other scriptures let us know that had to be what was happening. Right? So you've got that going on. That season is changing. But that's not changed yet. It's going to change. But what's going to sort of be involved in helping make that happen? The ones God has been raising up. And I believe God was raising up more than Gideon. But Gideon is the focal point right here. And I just want to encourage you in this. You see, there have been some of you who have gone through very difficult times. You might have felt like Gideon in the wine press where you're doing a lot, but a little is happening. I just want to encourage you. Do you realize that's where God makes us most of the time? God doesn't make us when everything's going great. God doesn't make us uh, during the times of blessing. God makes us in times of difficulty, in times of trial, where we're having to wrestle through things, where we're having to fight. And the ones God ends up blessing and using are simply those that have gone through trial after trial, disappointment after disappointment, and they kept getting back up after they got knocked down. The Bible calls it perseverance. In fact, the Bible says that's like the main quality trait that someone develops that all these other things come out of, perseverance. And how do you get that? By going through difficult times and you keep getting up and keep trusting in God. God's looking at Gideon and Gideon's there going, God, I'm not giving up. It's, this might be a little wine press. This might be difficult. It might be really hard where I am right now. But I still believe in the God of miracles. And I know when you show up again, you're still the God of miracles. And when you visit our nation again, you're going to deliver us because you are still the God of miracles. That's what he was saying. So he didn't understand the time had changed, though. And so the angel like We'll see this, I guess, next week. But it's so interesting how he starts to go, wait a second. Mm, this communication is sort of strange here. He's sensing God in it. But at the first, he doesn't know that. But let me back up here, go back to where I was, and I'll finish with this. He's looking at Gideon going, I see he's ready. And what's he seeing? This perseverance. Gideon doesn't feel ready. He still feels small, and that's where God likes it. You know, a lot of times what hard times do, they break us of us. Oh, we can make it happen. We just have to trust God. Maybe we're just getting barely enough. You know, some people think, oh, God would never do that. No, God will let you go through some seasons of that. And ask anybody that God's ever blessed in life, have they gone through hard times? And every one of them is going to say, yes, indeed. And that's where I learned a whole lot about trusting God. Amen. But then God brings them out. And I just want to say there are so many in this hour. You've been through hard times. You have been rejected. You've been betrayed. Um, some of you have been through so many difficulties. And it's been hard. But let me just encourage you. 
God is with you, even though it looks like he's not. He's watching. And you have made a decision. God, I'm going to keep rising up. I'm not going to give up. Some of you even now just go, God, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I want to guarantee you this to the level of devastation that you've gone through the level of difficulty you've gone through to that level. uh, God will go. In fact, to the to the degree you've experienced bad to that degree, God's going to bless you back with good. Those of you that have gone through the worst times, you're going to have the greatest testimonies. And you're going to be able to say, where God, where, where I was broken the most, I'm more strong than anybody because God has healed me. And you might go, I don't think that can ever happen to me. You're wrong. You're wrong. It just looks that way. You just have to keep getting back up. And there are many of you right now, God's watching. He's sitting there like invisible. You don't feel anything different, but he's watching over his word over your life to fulfill it. And you're going to be ready at that right time. I believe some of you are like in these little final stages and God's just watching you. He's sitting under the tree. He's invisible. You don't know he's there. It may seem still hard for you, but he's there going, "Mm, it's about time. It's about time. I'm getting ready to show myself. (laughs) Isn't that great? And then boom, God shows up. God's getting ready to show up. God's getting ready to show up. Now, you might hear, be here today, and first of all, you're very discouraged because of what you've been through. I want to encourage you. God sees everything. God sees everything. Don't give up. Your breakthrough is around the corner. And, and it's not just, I don't want to just say that. It's also connected to a big breakthrough that's getting ready to happen. You're a part of it. God's going to use you. Maybe you thought you're the smallest one, the most insignificant one, the most broken one. God goes, oh, you're the very one I'm going to use. How? God loves to use people who won't get the glory. You have to know God did that. And the other thing is, God is bringing a people to repentance. You know, there's probably a lot of you that have been coming on Sunday mornings and you don't know Christ yet. Maybe you know about him. Maybe you think, you know, that's a good thing, you know, and maybe you don't even know. I just, I want to encourage you today. Connect with whoever has invited you to church, or you can call me. I think most of you have my number. And uh, just begin to open up and just say, hey, I want to know more about this. I want to know. I'm going to, I'm trying to connect with all of you. Um, You know, and I I just, I want to make sure all of you, I want to say have the opportunity to know Christ. Maybe the right way to say it is uh, that you're led to Christ. You know, this interesting thing, until somebody pulls us or we make take a step, and a lot of people won't ever take the step to do it. They want to do it, but they just keep putting it off. It's so e- eerie for them. You know, it's like, well, how do I do that? I want to encourage you today. Be willing to let go and trust God. It's a step of faith. You're stepping out of you. You're having to trust God's going to be a good God. He's going to be a good father to you. He loves you so much. He sent his son to die for you, to to pull you out of darkness, to pull you out of the powers of hell. So today we're going to pray. And I want to pray particularly for these two groups of people. And um, you just join with me wherever you are. Father, right now, I thank you for the ones who've been discouraged. They've been holding on for a long time in this season of difficulty. God, one thing's happened after the other. Lord, but they've just kept getting up, kept getting up. 
Lord, uh, they might not feel like you're with them, but I know you are. I know you're really demonstrating this to me in my heart and in my mind and by, by, by the Holy Spirit today. Lord, you have so been with them. You have so been watching over their development, the development of their faith. You've been preparing them for something to come. So, Father, I thank you for bringing them forward now in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, for bringing them into new seasons right now. Thank you, Lord God, uh, that this final stage where it's like you're just watching over your word over them to, until it comes to pass. Lord, I thank you, Lord. And you're encouraging each one of them just saying, don't give up. Don't give up. It won't be long now. It won't be long now. Lord, and I thank you for those others you're working in. It's the spirit of repentance that's beginning, beginning to be poured out in this nation. Lord, it's through, partly through the shaking. It's just something that's changing. If you're here today and God has been drawing you and maybe you don't know how to go forward, but you have to know that God's pulling you in that direction and you won't deep down, you know, you ought to go with God. Maybe you don't know how. I just want you to pray this prayer with me today. Just pray this wherever you are. I would encourage you to speak it out. Just even whisper it where you are. Speak it out loud where you are, if that's you. But if you want to know God or if you're in a place you want to go further with the Lord and um, you, you just you don't maybe you don't even know where you are. Uh, with the Lord, just just pray this prayer. Just say, Father, I don't understand everything about how to follow you. And Lord, you know, I've got some fears on the inside of me. But God, I know it's the right thing to do. Lord, please help me. Pull me past my fears. Pull me past my doubts. Here I am, God, today, and I'm giving you my life as best I know how. God, I don't want to do my own thing anymore. I don't want to go my own way anymore. I don't want to be under this dark cloud anymore. I don't want to run after things anymore. I don't want my life to be about just fun, more money, uh, more this, another relationship. God, I just want to do things your way. And you know, there's part of me, God, that doesn't want to do that. But deep down, God, I know it's the right thing. And God, there's something deep inside of me that says, I want God. So Lord, here I am. I give myself to you, Lord. And I just say this with all the sincerity of my heart. Lord, I do trust in Jesus. I do believe he died for me because he loves me. Lord, I put my trust in him. Now help me, God. Here I am. Help me. I'm yours, but I need your help. So I put my life in your hands today. In Jesus' name. Amen.